On today's episode of My First Concert, a musician many of you have seen and heard with bands like the Fabulous Armadillos, Johnny Home Band for many years prior to that, and others. And he said, hey, Bill, I need a jingle. And I said, I don't write jingles. And he said, well, come on, go ahead. You can do it. You can do it. I said, well, when do you need it? He said, tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I want to mention this, too, because I was there the night when he left an audience basically stunned. They went wild as he performed a version of Led Zeppelin's Whole Lot of Love, like exactly like they sang it, to the point where I'm shaking my head going, I think Robert Plant right now would be genuflecting to Bill Shearer. It was that good, and it wasn't just me. It was everybody in the audience. I've seen that before out of him. That's how good a musician he is. But he is our guest today. It's great to have you on, Bill. Good to talk to you again. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, you know, you're you're one of my heroes, so it's always fun to talk to you. Well, I like the fact <laughs> you have a low bar, so that's a great way to start. Uh, today's show, by the way, is being brought to you by Star Bank, uh, 10 locations throughout Minnesota, and by Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for all of us. And you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, right here on TalkNorth.com. Uh, Brianne Burdett is our producer. As always, great to have Brianne back with us as well. All right, Bill, you're a music hound. I mean, you're a musician, but you were a music fan as a kid. So let's go back to your first concert. What was it? You know, I've debated on this because actually the very first concert I ever saw and didn't see because I'm blind and uh, was uh, Channel 10 in Grand Forks, North Dakota, my hometown, uh, before it was Channel 11, used to do a TV show. I was about three or four years old, and it was called The Country Playboys. <laughs> and it was later in the evening, and I used to beg my parents to let me watch it all the time. So they took me down to the studio, and I actually got to go see the show live one time when I was little. It must, And I think it was on at like 1030 at night. So that's truly my first concert, I think. Well, that's, that's a good memory, Bill. Well, I've it just shows how far back, you know, I go as a music crazy guy because I, you know, my I, I learned to sing harmonies with my sister because she was older than I am and we'd sit and listen to the radio and sing along with to all the songs and we figured out the harmonies and we were just crazy kids. But uh the first ones after that I saw a couple of folk groups. I saw the rooftop singers who did walk right in, sit right down, that thing. <laughs> I never knew that was the rooftop singers. Yeah, the rooftop singers. <laughs> and the, the Chad Mitchell trio, who were a, a huge folk group. They were very political at the time. And, uh, you know, again, it was the harmony thing. So I, I saw those. But if we're, if we're going to go to the first rock and roll concerts. Yeah, we are. All right, let's see. Um, You know, I think one of the first ones, probably the first real rocker show was the Guess Who Um, in around 1970, 71, I think. It was right around the time of their Share the Land album. It was after, right after, uh, oh shoot, what was his name? The guitar player. Oh, well. Oh, Randy Bachman? Randy Bachman. It was after he had left. And, And they were... And the opening band was Gypsy, who were from the Twin Cities. And they toured with the Guess Who, I think, for a couple of years, actually. Wow. And uh, they were great. We saw them at the ever-echoing UND Fieldhouse <laughs> in Grand Forks. <laughs> yeah, not built for acoustics. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> but uh, my, brother and, my brother and I saw that show, and that was, they were incredible. You know, it was, you know, they... It was back in the days when everybody played their own instruments and they sang their own parts and they uh, sounded as good as the records. Man, they, a you Winnipeg know. group. Yeah. Yep. So yep. they were. They, Which, they, you you grew up pretty close to them. Yeah, you know, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> the uh, I saw Sticks in 1973, back before they were famous. Um, I actually got to meet them. I was I was harassing one of the local DJs who I used to call all the time every day and want request songs and said, you know, 
can you get me to meet sticks? And he said, okay, come backstage after, after they're done and I'll go and introduce you. So I went backstage with my buddy, Steve, and, and, uh, he must've told them that I couldn't see because this guy walks up to me, he goes, hi, I'm Dennis DeYoung. You must be Bill. <laughs> I just like, whoa. <laughs> Because he was the guy, Dennis DeYoung. I mean, he was, he was, you know, and uh, you know, and they were, they were great. They didn't have any hits at the time. Lady had been out uh, once, but it hadn't been a national success yet. But they were big in North Dakota and South Dakota for whatever reason. Were they by themselves, Bill, or were they opening for somebody? No, they opened for. Let's see, I wrote that down here. Uh, Brownsville Station and oh, Rare Earth. Smoking in the boys' room. Yes. And and Brownsville Station probably should have headlined that show because they were just ramped up. And and I remember uh Cub Coda, the leader of <laughs> Brownsville, he came he came on stage and he goes, Some kind of TV you guys got in this town. <laughs> Shimaleski fun time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that was a the polka band and uh, Florian oh, Shimaleski. Yes, it went on to be a legislator. And then they and then they gave out uh, at the end of the show. They told everybody where they were staying. <laughs> so, oh. so they went to the hotel, and this place was just crammed, and the and the police were stopping everybody from going in. Oh God, Rare Earth was red hot about that time, weren't they? They were, you know, yeah, they were, they were still pretty hot. Yeah. I think they were starting to drop a little bit, but they were, they were, um, I think they were one of the loudest bands I ever saw. Oh, really? Yeah. They were just, I remember seeing, I saw them, um, at this concert, they were outdoors, but I saw them at, at, uh, the, yeah, again, the UND Fieldhouse and holy cow, it was loud. It was just and you know, and at that age, I could handle the volume, but, but oh man, it was it was awful. Brownsville but Station, were, was, yeah, was it was smoking in the boys' room, the big hit. Smoking in the boys' room and uh, leader of the gang. You want to be in my gang, my gang, my gang. That that thing. Um, what else did they have? Well, not those a lot. Were probably those were probably the biggest, you know. Um, but they could rock, boy. They were. They were they were a lot of energy. I don't know, I don't energy. know why, Bill, that I put Brownsville Station kind of in the same like I I would expect to see Brownsville Station with Black Oak, Arkansas, and Jim Dandy. Yeah, you know, you probably it probably would have been a good, <laughs> probably a great show because <laughs> there was a lot of energy coming from both of those. I, I, I remember when they came to town. I didn't go see them, but but friends of mine did, and uh, they were just you know talking about they all talked like this after that <laughs> yeah you know, they all wanted to be <laughs> jim dandy yeah they were from like arkansas or something or yeah, they were well i mean that's and their I, name but yeah i think and i think i don't know if the town was black oak arkansas too who knows who knows but yeah i remember the band i remember jim dandy yeah he did he wore those stretch outfits before anybody else did and had that yeah. long <clears throat> blonde hair yeah oh, jim man. dandy did the rescue baby but, you know, I'm going back to what you said, though, Bill. Uh, I can't imagine a, <laughs> I can't imagine any band just announcing where they're staying on stage. I mean, you talk about an invitation oh. for trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Security must have been shaking their heads. Oh man, we went there and it was just there were just people everywhere and the cops were everywhere. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who they they uh, Jim Dandy talked a little bit like uh, ZZ Top. Yes, yeah, or Wolfman Jack, depending on, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember going to the Midnight Special, Wolfman Jack hosted that television show years ago. Oh, yes. And and it did come on, I think it actually did come on at midnight, or maybe mm -hmm. right after midnight. Saturday Night Live. Um, wow. Friday yeah. nights. Wait, was it Friday? Yeah, I think it was oh, Friday maybe, Yeah, night. it was Friday nights, you're right. Yep, yep. yep. So we went, we went when it was Etta James, uh, Carlos Santana, George Benson, Van Morrison, Tom Scott, and... Dr. John, another guy that Dang. talked like that. Yeah, it was. That was they, a good show. Oh, they were all together. Yeah, they were all that, together. That, yeah. that would have been fun. Yep, I got to that meet Etta James there. So, uh, 
<laughs> I saw country bands too. You know, I was I was in my youth, I was kind of a country guy too. So I got to see Buck Owens at uh, at uh, UND Fieldhouse again. Well, he and Merle, and Merle Haggard as well. Tell, another show. Tell me about Buck Owens. He had a TV show. It's called the Buck Owens Fun Time Show or something. Good Time yeah. Hour, or whatever. Not Good Time Fun, but anyway, Buck Owens had a TV show. Yeah, and he's kind of you know Dwight Yoakam did a nice homage to him working with him out of uh, Bakersfield. But what was his show like? You know, they did all the songs, but they were squirrely. They were just, he had uh, a guy named Doyle Holly. Holly, Doyle Holly. Yeah. And, and Don was, Rich. Yeah. And Don, dangerous Don Rich. <laughs> and they were just squirrely. They they did a lot of just silly stuff, you know, and, and the band, well, they were one of the loudest bands I ever saw too. And part of that was because, because, you know, they played Telecasters, which are kind of a bright, bright guitar sound. And uh, they would just come shooting through the PA or through the amps, and they would just chew the top of your head off. <laughs> but they were, man, they were really, really good. They were phenomenal. Who would think that Buck Owens would be, you'd have to come in with uh, earplugs? No kidding. I know. It was, yeah, I remember at the time even thinking that was kind of strange because I was, that was about, I don't know, 67, 68, I think. And I, I loved Merle Haggard, always did, still do, because to me, he had kind of a bluesy feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't talk much, no. as I recall. He was pretty quiet, but but it was the original Merle Haggard and the Strangers, so um, they were, you know, they were great. They're, you know, the, the Strangers, the harmonies were great, so it was really Really, really fun. Oh, yeah. Silver yeah, Wings, Branded Man. He had some great, great songs. Yep. Yep. And, and then, by the way, ironically, and I don't know if you had anything to do with this, but uh, Merle married Buck Owens' ex, did he not? I think he did. Bonnie Owens, if I... if I, Yeah, I think you're right. How about that? Well, I hope you had nothing to do with that. I No, I didn't. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was a little too young. I guess I was... I was about 12 or 13, maybe. Uh, Bill Shear is with us. Bill's a great musician. Many of you know him. We'll talk about some of the bands he's played with, uh, and, and uh, you've seen him or heard him. He, he is uh, a blind guitar player, singer, and he is extraordinary. And, uh, again, you will you can talk to anybody that's seen him, and you'll hear that. I first saw the guy with a Johnny Home band. I didn't know Bill at the time, but, anyway, we'll talk more about that. Hey, I want to talk about one of our sponsors making this possible. Thank you, Starbank. Dependable friend to have, I could tell you that. Real people who uh, get to know you. If you if you come in the bank, uh, they'll end up knowing you pretty quickly, and I would bet you'll get to know them as well. Uh, now, uh, we all like to use the technology of, of apps, obviously, and they have all of that. Uh, they're going to have everything you need, so you can you know, do a, a lot of things right there on the phone if you'd like. But you can still walk into the bank anytime and talk to them, and there are so many things that they can do. Uh, Ten locations throughout Minnesota, and it's kind of cool. Some of the towns, that well, all the towns that they serve, the, they reinvest in them. So they really are a part of the community, but they're also a part of us here in Minneapolis-St. Paul with a big location in Eden Prairie, and they do all sorts of loans. So I don't know if you're in the construction business. Or I know if you're in the ag business, they've done um, things throughout the many years because of where they grew up out there in the heartland of Minnesota ag country, but they have this ability. Uh, they have this... Uh, kind of this quarterback-like thing where they can call an audible because you probably might have to call an audible. A lot of moving parts in the world, they know that. They understand business decisions. Uh, they didn't just start doing this yesterday. They've done it a long time, but they really get to know their customers. And they are real. the bottom line is they're good at what they do. You know when someone recommends somebody and say, how are they? Say, you know what? They are really good. They are quality people. They get the job done. You're going to love them. That's really all you need to hear from somebody you trust. Find out more. You can do your own research at starbank.net. They're a member of FDIC, an equal housing lender, and yeah, they are really good at what they do. Starbank, in fact, it's our bank here at Talk North. On today's episode, we're talking with Bill Shearer, a musician. And Billy, let's go back to your days of playing. When's the first time I, you harmonized with your sister? Yes. But when's it, what's, the, what's the first band you ever played in? I had, uh, when I was, uh, I must have been a sophomore in high school, I think, I, or, or a junior. Um, I started a band with, uh, it was just three of us, a drummer named Steve Traub and a bass player named Steve Hoagger, and we were called Torque, T-O-R-Q-U-E, and uh, we <laughs> we got to play all the uh, 
high schools and we played lots of frat dances. I remember going to school. Um, we, we would, we would play like uh rush in the, not, not the band rush, but in the fall, oh, you know, sure. when, yeah. and the frats, yeah, would be trying rush to get, week. Get, yeah. Yeah. So I remember having to go to go to school at eight in the morning and playing rush parties uh, till one at, <laughs> one at night. Oh, oh man, it was torturous. But we we did that. You know, we we played all over. You know, you know, Laramore. You know, the big towns. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we 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 played all over Grand Forks and this kind of the surrounding area. Played in Fisher, Minnesota. You know, and almost got beat up. Because we were talking to some girls and these guys got mad at us. It was just like a real thing. That doesn't happen for real, does it? I no, evidently it no did. especially with rock musicians, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we were just dorky little guys. We weren't, you know, we weren't handsome dudes. Yeah, uh, girls like musicians. <laughs> yeah. So, well, what, so, yeah, you took full and, advantage of that. Good for you guys. Yeah, well, you know, and, and then after I played with, and after we did that, but no fight, we, no, no fight erupted there, correct? No, no, we we actually we did sneak out of there because <laughs> because we heard they were laying for us, so we got out of there. It's just like, oh my gosh, you know? Did you ever <laughs> and, uh, see, did you ever see those girls again? No, you know, no, uh, no, they never came out and saw us again. Again, yeah, it was. It was, it was strange, strange, you know, <laughs> there is, you know, there's crazy things happen to you when you're in a band as, as you probably understand mm-hmm. from all the stories you've heard. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So you're playing in that band and you're getting out and you're really, uh, you're kind of, you know, uh, learning, your, learning your craft and, yeah. then, and then you do end up with the Johnny home band. I did. Um, we, a friend of mine was a big Johnny Home fan. He said, "You got to come and watch this guy. He's good. They're just great." And uh, they were playing uh, a place in East Grand Forks called the Level Seven. And we, my buddy and I, decided we'd go. Okay, we'll go see him. We'll go watch him. And 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 I remember he was on stage. And John knows this story because I've told him, or he's, he's he's heard me tell him about it. And and I. My friend and I were watching Johnny up on stage, and I don't know what he was doing. I said, who does this guy think he is, Elvis? <laughs> <laughs> he was doing Elvis tunes and stuff. And this is like 1974, 75, you know. It was like, <laughs> what the heck? And so so um, we, were, we were just watching the band, and then, of course, my buddies were trying to get me on stage, which I didn't want. Mm-hmm. And, and they were saying – let Bill up on stage. He sings and he plays in a band. And of course, you do that to John, and you're automatically up there. So, so I got to go up and and sing with the band. And then uh, every time they'd come to town, um, they'd somebody'd call me and say, "Hey, Johnny's looking for you." <laughs> Sounds like something out of The Sopranos. Exactly, it did. <laughs> So, so then at the end of that, that college school year, I uh, said, Hey, John, do you, would you want a extra guy for the summer? Cause I was, I was, uh, I'd figured out that what my college degree was going to be, wasn't going to work for a blind guy. So I figured, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I, I asked John if I could join for the summer and then I was going to, you know, figure out what I, I was going to think about it all summer and. And then come back in the fall and go to college. Yeah, yeah, that happened. And uh, so, so, so he said, sure. And uh, so then I, I joined the end of June. I, in fact, the, the day I joined, my first night, um, Fleetwood Mac were playing in Fargo, hmm. you know. And I didn't get to go see him because I was with John. and I But I got to play the Maple Lake Pavilion, which, you know, if you're from that area of the world the maple lake pavilion was where every all the great bands played and all the famous bands that were a lot of famous bands would come through uh there in the 60s and early 70s you know just they'd need a place to get gas money so they'd play at the maple lake pavilion mm-hmm. for a night 
and uh for I Kay, mean, it, right? Kay ran yeah, that place, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was she was a character. I loved Kay. Um they uh but you know, you know, of course Bobby V played there back in the day and uh, in the sixties. Um the animals played there once. Wow, your um, and uh let's see, the Yardbirds played there with uh, when Jimmy Page was in the band. Oh my. And uh and let's see if I can remember anybody else. But there were just all, you know, all these different. And then there was this band uh, called the Fabulous Flippers. And they were kind of, uh, I think they were based out of Lawrence, Kansas. But they were just a big deal in the summer. If, you know, they'd, they'd play through the whole area and play all these, all these ballrooms and stuff. And they were huge. They played the, you know, the maple lake pavilion as well and along with all the all the so my first gig was with john was at the maple lake pavilion i thought i can't ever get any better than this jim (laughs) (laughs) it was just awesome jimmy page and mentor minnesota i had yeah i had no idea i can't even imagine (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it was you know it, it was amazing to see uh uh i had seen a list at one time of who had all played there. And it was just kind of just sort of freakish because it was just this little ballroom. It wasn't, you know, huge, huge, but, uh, I loved it. Do you think they, did they sing for your love? You know, they probably did. Sure. Yeah. They would have had to, I didn't get to see him. Unfortunately. No, you're, you're always playing with somebody. Well, at that age, at that time I was, uh, about, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old when they played there. Cause it was about 1965. I think. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, so the Johnny Home Band, the first, when you went up for the first time and sang and played, what did you sing and play? <sighs> I don't even remember. Mm. You were, yeah. Were you nervous? No. Oh, wow. Because no, I'd already done it, you know, a fair amount. And, you know, yeah. I, I guess if you can't see them, they can't hurt you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so so but, how, much, how many years with Johnny Home? I joined, uh, yeah, 76, and I left in summer of 83. And we, you know, and it, it was a lot of miles, a lot of miles. I, I think we uh, we would do, if my memory is correct, we did 48 weeks a year, and uh, they were four to six nights a week, and most of those were one-nighters. Yeah, that, that travel schedule was crazy. How did you travel? Uh, it varied when I when I started. John had an old 1963 Cadillac limousine. It was a, actually it was a hearse limousine. From, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that's what we had when I first joined. And we'd pull a trailer behind it with all our gear in it. Oh, 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 oh hard to miss. Yeah, and then and then after that the limo died. Then then we had a car, just like a lot of then, the passengers had, huh? Exactly. We well, there's a good story here. Uh-oh. Uh oh. We were we were driving. Uh, well, we had two cars uh, for a while. One was the truck that that pulled the trailer, and then the other one was the truck that hold the rest of the guys. And uh, the bass player and I were in the truck one night, and. Uh, <laughs> driving and uh all of a sudden uh don looks out the window and he goes god that trailer looks just like ours <laughs> and of course it was ours <laughs> come off come off and it's just rolled right past us into the ditch <laughs> yes yeah, we we all we all lived through it, and uh, the, the gear didn't get destroyed. We were all—I don't know how we got by with that one. Because, jeez, oh, life on the road, man. Yeah, we did lots. You know, we got when we had we had um, <laughs> we had a number one hit in the uh, number one hundred hit in the country uh, back in uh, must have been about seventy eight or seventy nine. Lightning Bar Blues, which was. Not not one of our songs was written by uh, oh the guy who wrote uh, he wrote Heartbreak Hotel or the, or his mom did it was something crazy like that but but Lightning Bar Blues was uh, other people had done it but John fell in love with it and here's here's the funny part we're doing Lightning Bar Blues but John didn't drink 
He didn't, huh? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not at that time, anyway. And uh, so we Hoyt uh, Axton. That's who that yes, was. Yes, yeah, that's he, who wrote it. Just, Hoyt Axton. Uh, yeah, he was just a great creative songwriter. His, his lyrics yeah. were always fun. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yes, yeah. I remember that song. In fact, uh, um, John called John when John called to get permission for us to do it. He, you know, thought he was calling the publishing company and guy picks up the phone. Hello. <laughs> John says, John, John said, you know, told him who he was. And he goes, is this Hoyt? <laughs> he says, yep, it is. <laughs> so, so he just called Hoyt's house, evidently. <laughs> it's just boom. Well, he might as well go right to the source. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Without even knowing it. That's the even crazier part. Is this Hoyt? <laughs> And yeah, then, he, of course. Yeah, because I have then, to, he had to be in demand as a songwriter. I would believe back in the day. Oh, I think so. You know, I think he always was, and you know, I don't, I don't know that his records ever did as well as no. just his songwriting did. But, but uh, you know, I guess if you got to pick one, it, at least if you're songwriting, you get to stay home. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I remember a, a song he sang <clears throat> that my kids always used to laugh at called "Bony Fingers." Do you remember that? Oh, one? yeah. Work your fingers to the bone. What do you get? Bony fingers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. God, there's a deep track. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, uh, <clears throat> well, then we, we, uh, and like I said, I think it made it to 100 or 99 in the country for two weeks on Billboard. Our claim to fame. Well, but, well that's but, a good one. Well, we got to open for a bunch of people after that, you know. You know, we were so we we opened for Donna Fargo um, in Minot, Minot, North Dakota. For those that don't know the, where that would be, the Magic um, City. Yes, and we played with the Four Seasons in Winnipeg, mm. and uh, and uh, Frankie Valley wasn't very nice to us. Really? And, uh, no, he was kind of a he was kind of a not a very nice guy. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're you're being very, very kind, apparently. Yeah, in the, in the way you're stating this, but I yes. did, I want to hear the rest of the story at some point when <laughs> yeah. when I see you next time. And then uh, we played with B.J. Thomas and Bismarck, and he was the he was a great, great guy, really nice guy. I met and, him at the '91 World Series when the Twins played Atlanta, and I sat and talked to him for I don't know how long. And you're right, he was yeah. just so just seemed like a regular dude. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, and then we got to open in uh, at Detroit Mountain. Remember that in in Detroit Lakes. <laughs> yes, we we opened for um, um, I think it was yeah, it was three people. I think Jay Ferguson, Eddie Money, and uh, Pablo Cruz. Oh wow, Pablo Cruz at yeah. Jay Ferguson, Thunder Island, wasn't that? Yeah, song? yeah, yeah. And, Eddie, and they were they were yeah. all really good. Got nice all guys. Really good. Yeah, actually, every, every all those they were great, all really nice, all nice to us hicks who with, with one hit. <laughs> well, at least you had one more than almost the entire population of the country. So, yeah, yeah, you know, and it was it was fun. It was at the time it was you know we thought you know God does it get any better than this? No, it uh, how does it being in a band? You know, I think a lot of us say, boy, if I had to do it again, I'd. I'd have tried to be in a band, although the talent might have been an issue. But outside of that, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was you know, and you know, and at that point, I was I was pretty young, so I, you know, I had the energy. Yeah, you know, were you were you married at that point? <laughs> no, oh, no. Okay, well, I was I was like uh, I was probably about twenty years old at that point because I joined John when I I just turned nineteen. Okay, so you make the move, and I want to ask you about the, the transition of the Fabulous Armadillos and some of the other bands. We're talking oh, yeah. with Bill Shearer, a musician, great musician, by the way, and uh, just a lot of stories to talk about. I'm going to talk about his guitars, what he plays, and that sort of thing if, uh, in just a minute. You know, back in the day when uh, they were watching their trailer roll by him, thinking that looked a lot like theirs. Uh, people weren't putting uh, propane in their tanks. But right now, as we get more and more concerned about our environment, as we should be, and we worry about our increasing energy needs, let me tell you about reducing carbon emissions through using propane. What a great way to reduce emissions, and yet we do meet the energy needs by using that. Now, today, propane is a clean, non-toxic energy source that helps reduce carbon emissions right now. 
Propane's carbon intensity score. I love bringing this up because it kind of gives you perspective on how clean it is. Here in Minnesota, their carbon intensity score is 80. And you're saying, okay, Dave, yeah, what is that? Only 80, so what? Just to compare it, grid electricity in Minnesota, grid electricity in Minnesota, including wind and solar, has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. Who knew that using propane was that much cleaner than electricity? And there's an abundance of it. And the growth of renewable propane means it can be used for not just us, but generations down the road. So millions of Americans are relying on it right now. They're using the fueler vehicles, a lot of off-road, on-road, heating homes, businesses. You know all about it. But learn more about this environmentally friendly energy for everyone. Propane, the right energy? Gosh, right now. I'd find out more by simply going to propane.com and learn about that and what you can do for our environment. Bill shares our guest. Brian Burdett is our producer. This is my first concert, the podcast. Dave Lee with you talking with uh, Billy. And uh, uh, Bill, so you make the transition uh, eventually to the fabulous Armadillos where you've been performing the last few years. I know you cut back a lot. But uh, tell me, between the fabulous Armadillos and Johnny Home Band, what was going on with you? Uh, I was um, I was Raising my sons, I got to be a stay-at-home dad. So that was predominantly what I did. I, I, I actually, I, after I left John's band, I started my own band, and then I quit it. And <laughs> <laughs> you got tired of yourself? Yeah, I, I couldn't stand <laughs> myself anymore. <laughs> and so, and that was for about a year and a half. And then I played as a solo guy for a while. And, uh, and, and that was, you know, and then, you know, then at that point I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just sick of all this. I'm just done. And so I stayed home with the boys and got to be stay at home dad, which was a lot more fun. And, uh, and then at that point too, I started, uh, doing jingles and for companies I did stuff for treetop apple juice and um, who else can I remember? There was just lots of different stuff that would come in. You know, I, I had a friend, my my buddy uh, Steve Dahl, his was his name, still is, um, <laughs> had an ad agency out in Yakima, Washington, and he had called me. At this is at this point, I'm not really doing anything that's bringing any money into the house, and he said, "Hey, Bill." I need a jingle. And I said, I don't write jingles. And he said, well, come on, go ahead. You can do it. You can do it. I said, well, when do you need it? He said, tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, so I said, well, okay, how much, I mean, he said, we'll give you 350 bucks. And I was like, well, that's a lot better than I'm getting, and I. <laughs> so I guess I'll try and do this. So I just, I just uh, came up with something that, that was kind of derivative of a lot of things, and um, had it to him the next day, and they bought it, and uh, and it was treetop apple juice, and uh, was for an advert advert for a bike race that they do, a bicycle racing classic out in Yakima, Washington. And uh, so then I started doing that with with Steve, and then um, other other things would happen. I, you know, I started doing uh, parody tunes for KS ninety five here in in the Twin Cities about the late nineties, and uh, and that was that was a lot of fun because you know uh, the there was one guy um, who would write them and then. You know, I would just do them, you know, and send them back to them and and they'd play them on the radio for about a week and then we'd do another one. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it just sort of went on for and for a while. And then I started doing them for a company based out of Colorado that did stuff for stations all over the country. So, you know, I got to do a fair amount of that. And it was, you know, money wasn't much, but it was a lot of fun. And so I got to do that. And then, and then I get this phone call from uh, an old friend saying, you know, we're doing a George Harrison tribute show in at this little theater in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Uh, and we need an extra 
singer. Would you come and do it? And I was like, well, if somebody can get me to and from, sure. What the heck? So, so, um, I went and did, did the show and, uh, and lo and behold, two of the fabulous armadillos were in that show. And, uh, Greg Armstrong, the leader of the Dillos, came up to me and he said, hey, would you be interested in doing some jingles for me? And I said, sure, and singing some jingles. And so I, you know, and of course, me being me, I think, yeah, that'll never happen. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that before. And uh, but then, no, then the next day there was one in my inbox to, to do harmonies for. So. I started doing that, and then he said, "You know, we started doing this thing, and this is um, this is November of 2006." And he said, "We've started doing these shows called, uh, you know, we call ourselves the Fabulous Armadillos." And uh, he said, "Just wondering if you'd be interested in coming up and doing one of the shows, being one of the lead singers, because they always had, you know, guest singers back then." And uh, I said, "Sure." So. I did that, and then, you know, I I thought, well, that was fun. And he got a called me about a month later. Said, "Hey, we're doing one in June. You know, you want to you want to come and do uh, do another show?" And I said, "Well, sure." Well, this went on and on and on, and uh, and my wife said uh, to me one day, she said, are you, "Now, are you a regular in that thing in the, with the with those guys?" And I said. I don't know. They just, they, <laughs> I just wait for him to call me. So, so here, this goes on for a year or more like this. They just call me and I would go and do it. And, and, um, and, uh, and then I just wait for the next phone call and Bridget and I, my wife, we were up at, uh, up in Brainerd by at, at her parents' cabin and she saw an article in a newspaper up there about the fabulous armadillos and, and uh, she's reading the article and, and members of the armadillos, my name was, <laughs> was and no one had told me I was a member. <laughs> oh God. And then, and then uh, the fabulous armadillos, of course, live up to the billing. You couldn't help but think about the fabulous flippers, I bet, when you were in that band. Yeah, it was it was funny because I did I did think about that at the time. Uh, you know, and you know, and at that time, you know, we just figured we were gonna do our four themes and then that would be it, you know, for the year. We would the original plot was, you know, we would do themes November, February. May and June, I think, is how it went, mm-hmm. and uh, and then you know that would be it, and uh, then all of a sudden, you know, somebody said, "Hey, would you do this? Would you come out and do?" I, we played a an outdoor thing at a at a place in Saint Cloud, and well, then, well, yeah, we could do these once in a while, and and then it just got busier and busier and busier, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they keep up with the schedule. I mean, it was busy enough when I was in the band and, and quit doing the, we, we call the, we call the summer schedule, the party band. And cause there's no themes. It's just songs from all the various themes we've done over there, over the years. And, uh, so I, I, you know, I did that and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. In fact, um, about a year or so into the when we were doing the the summer stuff, the idea had come up. You know, well, why don't we sell season tickets for the themes? And you know, and there was plenty of people on both sides going, "Well, this boy, this could be a bad idea, or this could <laughs> be a great idea." Mm-hmm. And so we decided to do it, and. And we were we were all talking about it the night before it happened. We were playing somewhere, and and we found out that at four thirty in the morning, people were standing out to get tickets, season tickets, to see us. And and the and and the box office didn't open till five thirty or six, I think. Hmm. And they sold the whole season sold out in like an hour. 
Yeah, well, that's how it was with you guys. I know that, having seen you uh, with the Fabulous Armadillos. Are you making appearances with them at all? I, you know, I'm subbing these days. The only shows I, I do now are are the Eagles and the Vietnam shows and uh, that we do, the themes that we do. And then um, we're going to do... Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything or not about this, but I can tell you. Sure, I'm not going to tell yeah, anybody. You're not going to tell anybody. <laughs> Brianne's not going to tell anybody. No, no. <laughs> we're we're bringing back the Doobie Brothers theme that we did a few years ago. We're going to do that in, I think it's in in April, I believe. April oh, and awesome. May. Awesome. And so we're, so we're going to do some dates with that. And I, and I was kind of the ones pushing to bring it back. So I figured, well, I better... Okay, so the guitars through the years. We talked a bit about Telecasters. What did you find yourself playing mostly, and why? You know, I, I've, I've, I'm not um, a guitar freak. I like to find one I like, and then I just keep using it. I've, I've used, I used a Yamaha, which was for a while that was similar to to um, one that. Uh, Carlos Santana used, and I liked it because it had an extra brass plate in the bridge, and you could get a lot of sustain out of it. So I loved that one, and then the neck warped on it, and they couldn't get it fixed right, and so I, I got got rid of that. Um, I had played my first real guitar when I was in my first band was my I had an SG that I loved, and. Uh, and for some stupid reason, sold it. And, uh, and then I tried to buy it back, and the guy wouldn't sell it back to me. <laughs> and then, uh, and then after the after the after the Yamaha, after the SG, I bought the Yamaha. And then after that, I bought um, one that I still use. I can't remember what it is now. I've had it so long, um, but it's it's uh, it's. It's an Ibanez. That's what it is, and uh, it's been good. And then I, I, I've always been a huge Queen freak since their second album, and uh, and uh, I, I, I had a friend because uh, Brian May uh, two different times has has put out, uh, uh, you know, kind of versions of his guitar, and. Uh, so, uh, a buddy of mine, I said, you know, Stefan, do you ever see any of the Brian Mays? Cause you know, you know, they're expensive, but I just wondering if you ever see any deals on them. He said, no. And he said, we haven't even sold any. And they, they didn't sell all that well for whatever reason. I think cause by the time they came out, um, Queen weren't they were, they, they weren't doing as well. They were kind of more in their latter phase their dance phase of stuff and it wasn't but wasn't as good so but i said uh if you see one uh let me know and so i got he called me about six months later and he he had found one and brand new and it was you know i think they were over two thousand dollars I think at the when they were when you were supposed to buy them but i got a real good deal i think i bought it and the case for like, I don't know, $650 or something crazy like that. So that's the one I've been using pretty much since I've joined the Dillos, I think. Is there a song that's, you know, uh, I mentioned at the top, Whole lot of Love. I, I just, I mean, I can, I know how talented you, you are, like many people do, and I don't know why I should have been as surprised, but it I mean, it was just almost magical, Bill, as you as you've heard, I'm sure, from people all the time. Layla's another one I heard you sing that I, I walked out. Oh, yeah, that's I right. walked out and I turned to my wife and I said, That's better than Clapton. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sacrilege. How dare you say that? But it's yeah. it's uh, it, it really was. So is there a song that you like to perform through the years more than the others? You know, you know, it's 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 always funny because you know, in a situation like we're in, um, the more people like it, the more you have to do it, and so it it they all kind of lose their luster. At least for me, they do. Um, you know, 
and and then so you dump them for a while and then you bring them back and then it's then it's then it's a lot of fun again like i hadn't done a whole lot of love for a while quite a while i guess now and i did it um uh last saturday or the week before something like that i was i was filling in i was filling in for for chris hockey who's the lead singer for the dillos these days and uh and i you know and the greg you know said so what songs can you do and i said well, what songs do you want me to do <laughs> and uh so he gave me a list of stuff and uh that was on on the list and and uh you know i i hadn't done it for ages i i did that one and i did dirty deeds and i did uh oh dirty deeds that's another yeah, one yeah and um oh what else was on the list but it's you know they give me all the screamers <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a 65 year old guy still trying to do Led Zeppelin, you know. Well, Led it's, Zeppelin's older than you are, so that's yeah, you know, it's true. But it, but it is, you know, I, I'm, I always like. There's a, there's a point where uh, I love I love learning new stuff, yep. and then and then once it starts to go, then I just sort of want to dump it and move on. Yep. But uh, you know. I, but you know, it's, it's fun to come back a couple of years later and then revisit it and go, gee, that really was fun. You know, yep. uh, you know, I've done S Stevie wonder stuff over the years and, you know, and it's usually it's uh superstition or I wish, and you kind of go, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. But, but it's fun to come back and, and revisit all that stuff because I, I, my thing, I think, you know, well, you've seen me sing, so you know that I do a fair amount of different styles mm -hmm. and stuff. And that's, I don't like, I don't like getting stuck into one thing. You know, I just, sure. I'm not, cause I, when I was a little kid, I never, I mean, that's why I went. That's why I went to see Buck Owens and the Chad Mitchell Trio and yep. Johnny Mathis and <laughs> and who who would have thought the the Shemaleski Fun Time Hour would lead to you doing Robert Plant songs? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's you know I you know for me it's always it's uh, I I I like to keep things fresh, but. But I, I don't mind revisiting stuff. Well, you have this great joy when fans see you. You just have this this childlike joy when you sing and perform, and I, I just it absolutely transcends the everybody out in the audience, Bill. And it's always been a pleasure to watch you perform as well. Hey, wasn't Greg Armstrong with the GB Layton at one time? Yes, he was, and he was also with Bobby V. Wow, Bobby V. Because Bobby was up in St. Cloud too, wasn't he? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, nice guy. Yep. Nice and man. And Bobby's, you know, Bobby's nephew, uh, Matt Villain, has been in a lot of Dillo shows over the years. And and Matt does a a uh, Neil Diamond tribute show these days. Oh, really? Oh yeah. We're all just nuts. We're all <laughs> you know, and we're all and we're all, you know, and Matt and I are both uh um alumni of Johnny of the Johnny Home Band. Matt mm -hmm. Matt came in the to Johnny's band a couple of years after I left, I think. And uh, I think he was about, about the same age. I joined when I was 19 and I think Matt was 18 when he joined. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. He... Are there any guitar players that you marvel at? Oh yeah. Yeah. Lots of, uh, probably one of my favorites, you know, I, on the, on the blues side of stuff, I was a big Johnny winter freak. Um, in fact, I saw the Edgar Winter Group in, in Grand Forks back when Frankenstein was yeah. a hit. And uh, they were at the Chester Fritz Auditorium. Yeah, Johnny and Edgar together. Uh, no, they, oh, were, okay. they weren't together that time. Uh, when they, they came together um, a year or two later, and they were at, they were at Fargo. I didn't yeah, get to see Yeah, I was there. Was I was at that show. I still remember. Yeah. I still have I the had tickets to play. for it. John wouldn't let me off. I tried to get <laughs> off for that day. <laughs> That's musicians. You just you know, it's hard to get out and see other bands. That's well, we're discovering yeah. that through this podcast. I was a big and I was a huge, huge Queen fan. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody on your show has seen Queen, had they? <clears throat> uh, uh, none of the guests. Yeah, I no. didn't think so. I, so uh, but I didn't see him with Freddie Mercury. I saw him with uh, who's was it? Adam Lambert too. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, that yeah. that show. Brian May was there certainly, but I that was. Uh, 
Again, that was one of those shows you're going, man, Adam yeah. Lambert's Adam Lambert's really good. But he I, was really good. He was he, he did a good job, and so did um oh the guy from Bad Company. Oh uh, uh, um him though. The guy from <laughs> yeah, the guy from Free, right? Yep. Oh yep. why can't I remember his name? I've only known it since I was nine. But yeah, he did a great job. I he got panned kind of uh, for it, Paul Rogers. Paul, Paul Rogers. Paul Rogers. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I feel better when it comes to me like that. Yes. <laughs> Paul but Rogers. He, I, yeah. He was great. I thought yeah. he did a great job, but but he got kind of panned for it hmm. for yeah. whatever. He was um, good in everything he did. Heck yeah! All yeah. right now. I, yep. I, that's that's one that I've sung a uh, hundred years. <laughs> Oh, I'll bet. Yeah, well, I uh, I think we all wish we had your talent and your attitude. And, uh, Bill, it's just great talking to you again. I, I look oh. forward to hearing you at some point again, at, uh, somewhere along the line. But in the meantime, it's just great getting to know you and through the years and been a fan yes. of yours before we ever got to meet. So that was pretty cool when that happened. And and I'm glad Brianne got a, a little taste of Bill Shear here today to, to, <laughs> to, to learn more about you. Um, well, that's good. I, I, I love, uh, I've always been a fan of yours. You know that I've been listening to you since you first came to the twin cities and you were with, uh, you know, uh, Roger. Oh yeah. Yeah. What a, <laughs> yeah. What a great, what a great guy. Talk about yeah. a fun attitude. Yeah. He just, oh yeah. Good yeah. people to hang out with. I was smart so. enough to hang out with people that, that, that had a good time. So I took that bad, sour attitude of mine and trying to turn it around. <laughs> Oh, you're a Nodak. You're not. Yeah. You're not sour. You're yeah, not sour. yeah, we just work. <laughs> we just work. <laughs> Bill, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time here, uh, and no uh, look forward to seeing you soon again. He is Bill Shear. He's a musician, as we mentioned. In case you didn't know, Billy is blind, and um, he, his his musicianship is just. Uh, unbelievable. So if you get a chance, at some point you're seeing the armadillos now and, and get a chance to see Billy in the band, take complete advantage of it. And a great historian in the world of music, too, by the way. We could sit and talk for hours with this guy, and he would uh, bring up songs like he did, only in, in much greater detail. So I appreciate you joining us here. I, again, as always, great to have the folks at Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone with us. And StarBank with those 10 locations. I go to StarBank.net and learn more, StarBank.net. And uh, next week, we'll, we'll be talking some more on my first concert. Uh, Brianne is our producer, Dave here, and I'll look forward to talking to you uh, next week. 